شابان شابان Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the last convocation of the year. I'm Natalie. And my name is Mesa. And we are members of a group that traveled to South Africa this semester as a part of the intercultural program. This morning, our time together will include reflections and stories from the trip, which includes the three main places we spent time in. Our trip started and ended with the time in Washington, DC. This helped us to see the context we come from. Our time was spent visiting different museums as well as discussion regarding our thoughts towards what we observed. Our first three weeks in South Africa were spent in Joburg, where we visited sites of struggle that related to the apartheid era. Next, we journeyed on towards Cape Town, where we were, where we were for two weeks, this time discovered the usage of land in the area, which highlighted denser, more impoverished areas as well as upper class and wealthy neighborhoods. From our time in Cape Town, we spent a week with host families in a township named Zelisle. This was an informative time that shaped our experience to create deeper relationships with our families. Next on, the, next on the journey was time in Jeffreys Bay, which is known as one of the surfing capitals of the world. This was a time of retreat and relaxation where we had time to catch up on sleep, have more time on the beach, and some of us even bungee jumped from the tallest from the fourth tallest bungee jump in the world. Mdumbi was our next stop on the way. This was a time of reflection where we continued to discuss our experiences. This very remote area emphasized the natural beauty of South Africa. I specifically remember the rolling green hills, the beautiful beaches with warm, clear waters, and the night sky that revealed the distant Milky Way. Continuing our journey, we traveled to Peter Maritzburg, where we stayed for three weeks. This was a time we spent with an organization named Church Land Program. There we also experienced how land is shared or not shared in the South African context. We learned of the many of the hardships of people in the area and visited several shack settlements. For a few days, we made a stop in St. Lucia, which was, a, which was a retreat used to capture our memories and what we had learned during our time. We were able to articulate how South Africa made us feel as well as what we can expect when we returned home. Our next destination included a few nights in Kruger National Park, where we drove through the safari park in our bus for, for, for a few days. We got to see many different animals, including the rare sighting of a leopard, thanks to our bus driver. Our final days were spent back in Johannesburg, where we said goodbye to some of the people we had met during our previous time in the city. This marked the end of a pilgrimage we enjoyed from start to finish. Thank you. When we got off the plane in Johannesburg, one of the first things we learned was the word Salbona. Now, South Africa has 11 official languages and 30-something languages total, but a lot of our time was spent in Zulu-speaking areas, so that's the language we studied. In Zulu, when you meet someone, you say Salbona, whether you already know them or not. A lot of us really loved learning that Salbona means, I see you, and one of the common responses means, I am here. So that's what we were saying to each other when we came up here, if you couldn't tell. Our three weeks in Johannesburg were about getting our bearings in a new country. We were hosted by some friends of the Sudermans who work with the Anabaptist Network in South Africa. They were the ones who introduced us to South Africa, 
not just the language, but also new foods, new music, and a much more relaxed idea of what it means to be on time, which we're still adjusting back from. Johannesburg was also the history-intensive part of our semester. We spent most of each day traveling around the area to visit museums, memorials, and people, and learning to understand how South Africa became what it is now. We spent a lot of time learning about apartheid, that's South Africa's system of racial segregation, which ended in the 1990s. But we focused on the anti-apartheid struggle and were able to meet many people who were part of that struggle. Our Johannesburg leader de decided to frame our time there as a pilgrimage, with the idea that pilgrims learn in a different way than tourists or students. It encouraged us to notice complexity, to learn with empathy, and to make genuine connections with people. As we visited sites of struggle, we often learned directly from people who had experienced the violence of apartheid. That was both really meaningful and really hard to take in at times. Throughout our time there, we were particularly focusing on the role of the church in South African history, as well as today. We were able to worship with several local congregations and make connections with people there. And we also studied what enabled the church to help create apartheid and what enabled the church to help end it. While in Johannesburg, we had a lot of fun alongside all of the struggle and hardships that we are hearing about, just to be able to get ourselves a little more loose and not just continue getting all down about everything we were hearing. So a few of the things that stood out to me in particular, well, let me first start by saying there's a few important guidelines to follow while in South Africa. Keep personal items where you can see them, drive on the left side of the road, and do not wear yellow to an Orlando Pirates game. So one morning I walked into the kitchen where we were staying. I had befriended the women in the kitchen and am continuing those friendships now. And I had a yellow tank top on. And they took one look at me and they're like, uh-uh, that's not going to work. You need to go change that shirt now because we're going to be going to a Orlando Pirates soccer game a little later in the afternoon. So I went back and I ended up changing two more times till I finally was wearing a black shirt instead because apparently only black and red are the colors to stick with. And even though I had a red shirt on for the second time, it had a tiny bit of yellow and white in it, so it still didn't fly. We also learned how to dance, and for me, dancing has became a, a way that I feel like I can connect and engage with other people, even with language barriers. There are times when maybe I was around people that were not as fluent in English, especially little ones, and I was able to dance with them, and that was our conversation. It was a lot of fun to be able to have a dance instructor come in while we were in Joburg and learn three different songs there. And it might have been a little awkward at first. We weren't quite getting the moves right, but eventually we were able to connect to the rhythm and get into the dances the way they were supposed to be done. 
And along with the ways I was able to make connections with dance, I also just in general feel like I was able to make a lot of really meaningful connections while in Johannesburg. I am somebody who loves art and I was able to connect with a lot of different artists there. There are a lot of cool poets. Um, I met people that I got inspired by their photography and other forms of art also like beadwork and also some different mural work, just lots of different art forms that just continue to inspire me now. And in general, making these different connections with the group we were with, the women in the kitchen, and all these different artists and plenty more, I have gone really attached to the country and am hoping now to even make plans to move there this following year. In South Africa, electrical infrastructure inherited from the apartheid government was inadequate to provide power to the entire nation as opposed to the small number of whites it had served before. In order to accommodate this weakness, the new government started implementing rolling blackouts termed load shedding at regular intervals, often daily for a few hours. We quickly acclimated to a new reality of lights turning off unexpectedly at any moment, while also becoming aware of the fact that this disruption virtually disappeared when we were in areas of wealth. Load shedding sits as an amplifier of human rights in South Africa and is a large source of discontent for the voter base of the current dominant political party. What I find interesting about this and other social justice matters is that it can be hard to distinguish whether an injustice is an annoyance in the face of a more harsh reality or in fact a substantial cause of said reality. While we were staying in Johannesburg, we were privileged to be able to spend one week eating dinners and spending time with host families in Soweto. For me, this is one of the most meaningful experiences of the trip. I felt deeply welcomed and accepted by my host family. And the existence of a valuable, authentic relationship with local South Africans gave a meaning to the trip which cannot be found in the classroom. At the end of our trip, we came back to our host families in Soweto for one last supper in order to, in order to reconnect and catch up with each other. Much to our surprise, upon our arrival, we discovered that tragedy had struck and that two members of the household were no longer present. Additionally, our host mother told us that load shedding was scheduled to move to stage 10 next month, which would mean 12 hours or more of blackouts per day. This represented a significant threat to her tea shop, which was her primary source of income. We also learned that she was a type 1 diabetic and had not yet devised a way to store her daily insulin shots, which she required to live, that had to be refrigerated. On the bright side, our host brother had found a job in uh, an economy with unemployment as high as 40%, and the hosting ability of our mom had been unaffected by the changes, and we were able to, and yeah, we were able to feel remarkably welcome and appreciated once again. I don't know the meaning of everything that I've just said, and neither do you, but what I do know is that I saw it, I was touched by it, and I will continue to be shaped by it. One of my main takeaways from our time in Johannesburg is the idea that the fear of difference creates division. 
apartheid, racial segregation, and injustice in South Africa began because white South Africans were afraid of the rise of the black South African population. They were afraid of people who were different. We also learned about several massacres that began because of a fear of people who are different, either politically, racially, or in other ways. This fear of difference built up walls that caused death, discrimination, and violence. In my own experience, going to a new country obviously came with a lot of differences. I experienced a different culture, different languages, and different people. Those differences at times brought hesitation, fear, and missed opportunities. It was easy to say, oh, I'm not from here, I'll just observe, or that's not what I'm used to and it makes me uncomfortable so I won't join in. I experienced this especially during church services, which were very different than what I was used to. Several church services involved sitting within the congregation, us singing up front for the congregation, and dancing up front with people from the congregation. The people of South Africa were not afraid of difference, and that became instantly apparent. At the beginning, I was super uncomfortable. I learned quickly, however, that being afraid of differences only solidifies division. If I leaned into and embraced the differences I encountered, I was able to grow and experience new things. It was by embracing the differences I came across in South Africa that I was able to have a new perspective on the world and experience the trip to the fullest. The differences don't end now just because I'm back in the US. Everywhere I go, even here at EMU, we all interact with things and people who are different from us. My goal and hope is that I continue to embrace difference wherever I am so that I can fight division and live life to the fullest. All right, so now we're going to highlight some interesting things that happened to us on this trip. So if you could please stand up if you missed a day for being sick. If your phone got stolen. If you got food poisoning. If the bus left without you. If you had a near-death experience playing watermelon rugby in the pool. <laughs> if you tried chicken feet. If Simon asked to play games on your phone. <laughs> if you nosedived while surfing. If you were stung by a jellyfish. If monkeys broke into your room. <laughs> if you got chased by the monkeys. <laughs> if you yelled at the monkeys. <laughs> if you went bungee jumping. If you ran out of clean underwear. <laughs> and finally, if a gecko pooped on your pillow. After spending time in Joburg, we headed off to Cape Town. In Cape Town, we stayed two weeks in a backpacker that was located in Musenberg. Our backpacker was surrounded by surf shops, coffee shops, and was located right in front of the beach. 
While in Cape Town, we met with multiple organizations to learn more about where we were living in South Africa. We met with an organization called The Warehouse who led us on tours throughout Cape Town where we looked at economic disparity that existed and inequality of space. We also met up with SADRA, which stands for Southern Africa Development and Reconstruction, who runs camps that trains mediators in conflict resolution at local high schools in the area. We later visited schools and talked to the students who had been a part of this program. Another day was spent at the university in Stellenbosch where we discussed reconciliation and restoration with a professor of theology at this university. Other learning opportunities were visiting the Castle of Good Hope and visiting Robben Island where Nelson Mandela had been imprisoned for 18 years. While we had many learning opportunities, we also had free time for other activities such as surfing, hiking Table Mountain, visiting Cape Point, visiting the V&A waterfront, and swimming with penguins. After our week in Musenberg, we traveled to Hermanus, where we had the opportunity to stay in Zulichle, an informal settlement for a week with host families. We would spend the morning and evening with each of our families, but during the day, we would travel to a church retreat campus with youth from the community to participate in a contextual Bible study together. After dinner, we would head back to Zulichle, where most of our host families would stuff us with a delicious second dinner, and we would spend the evening laughing, talking, and watching Big Brother, which seemed to be South Africa's favorite reality TV show. On our last day, some of us got our first taxi ride, some got to dance and eat at a delicious braai, which is a South African barbecue, and some even got to attend a traditional Mosa celebration. Overall, I think I can speak for everyone when I say this week was a highlight of the trip and something we won't ever forget. Good morning. I have a more lighthearted story to tell and a lesson to learn about the beginning of our time in Cape Town. I fell on my ankle on top of a mountain right before we got to Cape Town. And it was bad enough that I couldn't put any weight on it for about a week. Um, so as Anya generously demonstrated, I had to be carried around, literally, um, yeah, for, for a short period of time. And that was no easy job because where we were staying in Cape Town had lots of stairs. I mean, an unfair amount of stairs. So Anya and other people, you know who you are, my noble steeds, carried me up and down these flights of stairs. And other people were living at this backpacker and, you know, watching. I was like, what is happening? But that was, that was part of our reality. Um, the same day I got officially diagnosed with a proper sprained ankle, um, I lost my fanny pack to some lucky stranger on the beach. So there I was, no phone, no card, no ability to walk. Um, and that's when I realized, okay, this trip just got more interesting, more nuanced. Eventually, though, it became a meaningful part of the trip Really, really it did because I had to rely on the selflessness of my group and of the people and family we met in South Africa. And I think um, people carrying me literally and figuratively is a deeper symbol of what actually did happen to us all on this group, in this group, on this trip. Um, at some point we were all held and we had to be. There was no other option, right, to, um, other than to experience the grace the undeserved grace of the people around us. So that was really touching to me. People in South Africa, they hold on to each other through unimaginably painful things and really joyful, beautiful things. And our group got to experience that inclusion and that connection. 
And in a Western context, life can get extremely individualized, so it's easy to forget that we desperately need each other for the journey. But that is the point of Ubuntu, which is a concept we learned in South Africa. I am because you are. And it's shared humanity and the fact that we're interconnected, for better or for worse. And I'm really grateful that South Africa let us experience that reality of togetherness in the midst of division, inequality, and injustice, we were taught how to truly be together, which is something that's really, really hard to explain. That's how we were able to survive, though, and survive this adventure. So ankles may be weak and phones might get stolen, but Ubuntu is forever. Good morning. Um, so for me, uh, the week that we spent with host families in Zuelithle was probably my favorite week of the trip. Um, a big takeaway, I think, for a lot of us um, on this trip to South Africa was that of hospitality, um, and that's something that I felt very intensely um, in this context. Um, so the family that Grant and I stayed with, um, they were incredibly welcoming, and they treated us, treated us like they were um, their own for the week. Um, and their house wasn't the largest. Um, there were many children, cousins, and other family members um, crammed into the house, um, but they made sure to make space for us, um, and that meant a lot for me. Um, one important moment of the week came from a hike that I went on uh, with a couple of my host brothers and cousins. Um, we were standing on top of the mountain that overlooked th the town, um, and they started pointing out um, some different things in the town. Uh, they first pointed out a neighborhood uh, that we were staying in, um, and described it as the black neighborhood, um, and next to it, the more rundown black soccer fields uh, where the black children would play. Right next to this neighborhood uh, was the colored community, and while colored is a derogatory term here um, in South Africa, it simply uh, means somebody that is of mixed race. Um, so next to it was the colored community, um, a bit nicer than the black community, um, and next to it, the colored soccer fields where the colored children would play. Um, and then finally, uh, pretty separated from the previous two neighborhoods was the white neighborhoods um, next to the big, nice white soccer fields where the white children would play. Um, and this uh, was an important moment for me. Um, it made me realize that while apartheid did officially end 30 years ago, um, it's really not over at all. Um, these groups are still incredibly separated, um, and there's very little interaction that happens um, amidst these groups. Um, and, and the way that they said it was also very, I don't know, matter of fact, um, and just kind of the way that things are. There wasn't any really resentment in their tone. They just kind of talked about it in the way that it was. Um, yeah, and, and that was a tough realization. Um, it also made me reflect um, on life in the States, and while this narrative can't be seen quite as obviously, um, it still exists in a very real way. Um, and this general realization was important for me and something that will always stick with me. Definitely. So.
So the song we just sang is called Avule Gile Amasango, um, and it is a Xhosa song uh, that we learned uh, while in Zuelite. Um, the main lyrics, Avule uh, Gile Amasango, translates to the gates are open or the doors are open. Although the song is about the gates of heaven being open and our sins forgiven. For me, this song encapsulates the radical hospitality that we experienced throughout our time in South Africa. Everywhere we went, the doors were open and we were not only welcomed in, but embraced as family. Our next stop on the trip was Peter Maritzburg. This is where Karen and Andrew's home base was for the seven years that they live, lived and traveled in South Africa, so they knew the area very well, specifically which restaurants were the best to eat at. <laughs> Both Peter Maritzburg and Durban have a strong Indian influence, so we often went out for curry. Some called it the best food they had ever had in their lives. Um, we stayed at a beautiful retreat center called Africa Enterprise for our three weeks there. The mornings consisted of driving to a nearby high school to take Zulu lessons for an hour. In Peter Maritzburg, we were guided by an organization that the Sudermans knew well called CLP, Churchland Program. Um, their primary goal is returning land to the ownership of the people, but they walk alongside many other organizations who do a lot of positive things for their own communities. So Churchland Program took us to these organizations that they personally work with and helped us to connect and learn directly from the community activists. Um, many of the days, we actually drove an hour away to the neighboring city of Durban, which is right on the coast of South Africa and is a very large city as well, where they do a lot of work. Some of the questions posed in Peter Maritzburg during our time there were, who has power and how is it being used? How does land ownership and access affect power? Who actually has access to the political systems? And what can people do outside of regular political involvement to make change? So as Nathan mentioned, our time in the Peter Maritzburg area was planned out by Churchland Program. About halfway through our time with them, um, CLP introduced us to a Durban-based organization called Abathlali Basim Jandolo. Their mission statement reads, to improve the lives and living conditions of shack dwellers and poor with special focus on asserting the human dignity of shack dwellers and poor in South Africa. To give context to this statement, um, the World Bank estimated in 2020 that 24% of South Africa's 58.8 million residents lived in these densely populated areas, um, which typically consisted of one-room houses that were made of corrugated metal or any scrap building materials that people could find. Because, the <clears throat> because these communities are illegally built on the land, they typically face poor water and sanitation services and lack of access to electricity. Government officials often make promises of building formal houses for them or making better living conditions um, to these communities only to break them. In our first day with Abathlali, we spent time in conversation with a few members and leaders of the movement, beginning to understand how they were formed and the work that they do in different communities. The leaders described a piece of their work <clears throat> as agitating and educating communities about the government's broken promises. Out of this, Abathlali works with communities to help them become self-sufficient with food, finances, and community leadership. On our second day, we traveled to Ekanani, um, a township or a informal settlement named after the biblical city of Canaan. 
where we spent time at the Franz Fanon School or Community Center. Our leaders for the day showed us around their chicken coops and gardens and also showed us their future library. These spe spaces allow the community of Ekanane to be self-sufficient. So eggs from the chickens get sold at different markets and then the proceeds come back to the community to support them financially. And the produce from the gardens gets distributed amongst themselves for food. The community then comes together to provide for repairs or for if there are anybody that needs extra assistance or support. We spent the morning working in the garden, weeding and clearing space for more planting. And I found it very meaningful to get my hands dirty and work alongside the women from the community um, who work in these gardens every day to provide for themselves and for their neighbors. Our experiences with Abaslali fostered a new understanding and perspective of community and caring for one another. Here in South Africa and in Ekanane, we experienced a culture in which community is placed far above the individual. And I hope to maintain that perspective and way of living into my own life here in the United States. At our final retreat in St. Lucia, um, as we thought back over the whole trip, Karen and Andrew challenged us to write a letter to South Africa as we were preparing to leave, um, and this is mine. Dear South Africa, I'm still just getting to know you, yet somehow it's already time to say goodbye. How can words begin to express all that you've given me? You've showed me a bigger world with pain and joy more closely intertwined than I would have thought possible. Instead of bringing God into the sharp focus I wanted, you taught me of a God who is everywhere, appearing in our midst, with us. You showed me myself, the good and the bad, and you taught me that life is too short, too complicated, too fluid, too beautiful for labels like good and bad. You taught me how to be instead of be doing, a lesson I'm still slowly learning. You named and affirmed me, yet sometimes yet set you named and affirmed me, yet continue to challenge me as well. You've shared with me your stories, your songs, your language, your grief, your anger, your strength, your love, your hospitality. Through your natural yet radical Ubuntu, I found myself within a deeper, broader community than I'd known. Your crashing waves and waterfalls, rolling hills and striking mountains, your delicate flowers and vast blue sky, remind me to appreciate creation and creator. Through the play and laughter of your children, you introduced me to my own inner child. You've taught me of the power of people, of the strength and resilience of grassroots, of the many small ways to fight big systems. You've shown me that no good deed is too small to be worth doing. As many lessons as you've left me with, you've left me with even more unanswered questions. Questions about God, about myself, about justice, about reconciliation, about privilege and wealth, about what it means to be human, about what the church is called to do. I suppose I'll have to learn to live with these questions, just as I must learn how to live with all you've given me. I'm not ready to say goodbye, but perhaps we'll meet again someday. Sale kahle tando. Stay well, my love. And the final portion of our um, convocation this morning, I would love for Andrew and Karen to make their way up here. Um, we would like to express our gratitude. 
I'm so sorry to everyone who doesn't have Andrew and Karen in their life. Um, they have been nothing but a blessing. They and their children, um, this trip would not have been possible um, or as meaningful and enjoyable and as safe um, without them. So <laughs> they're laughing because uh, we have, first of all, a beautiful, that's the Ultramel, we have a picture frame of all of us standing together in Marikana. And we have handwritten notes. And then, of course, the main event is the best known, most loved custard in all of South Africa, Ultramel. Um, we hope you enjoy these gifts. <laughs> and I have a little bit more to say about them. I want to thank you, and we all want to collectively thank you, um, for your leadership, for your grace, for your creativity, um, for your humor, and for your medical advice. I thought I had meningitis, and early in the morning, too early in the morning, Karen convinced me I didn't, and I'm grateful. And we're also grateful. Um, yeah, you've given us an experience of a lifetime, and the work is just beginning in terms of what to do with it um, and how to hold it. So, siabonga gakulu. We are so grateful for you. Thank you. All right, as our um, last little thing here before we let you go, um, I want to send you all with a blessing that Karen and Andrew actually sent us with um, during our time in St. Lucia. Um, and this is a Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and su superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. Thank you all for joining us for our convocation.